0: Hey everybody, welcome to Answer the Call. I'm Kelsey Kemp. This is a podcast for high-performing Christian professionals who want to find their calling and lead an incredible career that's aligned with it so you can make an impact for the kingdom in the decades of work ahead. Okay, so this week's episode is honestly so fun. So a few weeks ago, I was talking to a mutual friend who mentioned this girl she knew who was like super cool and moved from Dallas to New York and has done a lot of traveling and has also pivoted career paths a couple times and done some really interesting things, including um, self-publishing her own book called Bathroom Saga, which is actually a coffee table book featuring a ton of really... Really unique and cool bathrooms so fun and so anyway when my friend mentioned this I was like hi what's her name too can I meet her lo and behold my pal Sarah who I'm talking about put Emily Nemeth and I in touch and now you get to hear our introductory convo slash podcast interview that quickly divulged into a loopy fit of laughter some bunny trails some flaming hot takes in this end of work day conversation. <laughs> and while I think that you'll have a pretty good laugh with us, I think that you'll also just be downright inspired by Emily's career adventures, pivoting from retail to social media marketing, to ministry, to self-publishing, to project management, and also event management, and now a really crazy cool new passion project that she's working on uh, in New York. All right, so enjoy this casual, fun, off-the-walls conversation with Emily Nemeth. Here we go. Recording in progress. Emily, welcome. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Of course. Okay, um, I really want to get like the brief intro into where you're based and what you're doing now, but more so, I'm very eager to dive into your career story the gist of what I get is that it's very interesting and cool. So anyway, I will pause though. Tell us who you are and what you do.
1: Yeah, well, my name is Emily Nemeth, and I am author and creator of a coffee table book called Bathroom Saga. Um, and then currently I am just a young professional. I'm living in New York City, and I work for a marketing agency based on the East Coast. I love that. I should start
0: saying that like, I'm just just a young professional, you know. <laughs> especially with that body language and my Jimmy <laughs> Neutron mom's hair right now. Anyone watching the video podcast is like, oh, Kelsey, cut it. I tried. My hairdresser is booked out for five weeks. And I'm like, you're going to make me go to a super anyway. So I did that actually once, no joke, two years ago. It was the most whack thing I have ever, don't ever do it anyway. Well, so- I was
1: going to say, that's crazy that you say that because I went to great clips like last year, like oh, yeah. three times and I loved it. <laughs> all right I, yeah it was crazy my yeah. hair girl I couldn't get into her as well and I got desperate and I went and then I came home and I showed my sister-in-law and I was like I actually am obsessed with that I think I'm gonna go back to this guy Kevin every single time she's like okay oh my
0: what on earth yeah okay well you never know you note never know to not be too cynical <laughs> and don't give up wow thanks so um all right cool uh let's get into the gist of college until now like give us some juicy details I know that you've taken some twists and turns from retail to social media marketing other types of marketing project management self-publishing a book getting that into major retail outlets what the heck okay but anyway yeah you take it off
1: Yeah. I mean, I feel like there's so much to unpack. Um, I'm going to try to give you you know, the shortest versions of all of them, but it's really been a ride. Um, Like you said, I started out in retail in college. I started working at Nordstrom um, and I just loved it. Honestly, it was a commission-based environment. So it was sales, sales, sales. And I found out I was really good at sales.
0: Yes. Um, I love it when people own that. So many people just go around and they're like, I'm not I'm not a salesperson as if that's like some kind of moral uh, faux pas.
1: Like, what?
0: No, I'm sorry to you because sales is like the fundamental skill to life. Anyway, wow. See, I told you before we started recording, (laughs) I have hot takes. Okay, go on.
1: But sales, I mean, essentially, if you break down sales, sales is really just getting someone to trust you and like you. And that is a skill that you need to really have essentially for life. And so once you kind of lock that in, I feel like success, like you're never going to be capped, right? Um, But I learned a lot of my skills and techniques through Nordstrom for for sales. And then I really implemented a lot of those things in my life, which kind of has just overall taken me on a crazy journey. Um, After Nordstrom, I moved to New York. And even in New York, I worked uh, for Nordstrom as well. I worked in Jersey. I'm trying to like remember my whole resume in my hand. (laughs) Um, I'm trying to really channel back my early 20s. Um, But no, I worked in Nordstrom in Jersey and then I was living in the city and I commuted back and forth, which was like horrible, Um, but definitely worth it. You know, just would recommend
0: great clips, would not recommend long commute. Gotcha.
1: Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) Highly would not recommend long commute. Um, But yeah, after that, I transitioned from Nordstrom. I went into Free People. So by this point, I was in management. I was running my own department in Nordstrom. I was 21, 22, 21, 22. And then I became an assistant store manager of a Free People store, which is just like a boutique, woman's boutique clothing store. I worked at Anthropology, So we were in the same branch of companies. (laughs) Yes. Um, But then I was assistant store manager of one of their locations on the Upper East Side. And that was fun because I, I mean, I already had like pretty in-depth management experience, but almost like breaking it down on a smaller scale, you have more responsibilities. So your skill sets are just stretched even further. Um And then also too, I'd already managed like a large team, but then managing like a smaller team, the dynamics are just different, right? So with every kind of like role or career or job I've had, um, I've learned, you know, a ton But after that, I decided to transition back to Dallas, um, just because I knew I wanted to finish school. I knew I wanted to, you know, not be in retail forever. I just, I got a glimpse of what my life could be. And I was like, I don't want to be retail forever. So I you know, at the time, I thought success meant like a nine to five. So I came back to Dallas and I started pursuing that, started pursuing school. And then I started just applying to internships. And that's when I interned for uh, the DEC, Dallas Entrepreneur Center, which was at the time one of the first, if not the first, I can't remember, startup co-working space in Dallas. What? So yeah, they're oh, based gosh. out of the West End. Um, I haven't really kept up with them, so I'm not really sure if they're still around. I, they were pretty successful um, back in like 2016, 15. So I'm sure they're still around, but yeah, I started doing social media marketing for um, their Addison location called the Addison tree house. And so I had an amazing leader there. She was my boss and she just kind of taught me everything she knew. And it was on such a small scale, but it really allowed me to kind of like see the networking process as a whole, uh, because that was really was made them different because they specialized. or not, I don't want to say specialized, but they like, That was like their thing. Like if you come and co-work with us, we're going to introduce you to all these other people that you may want to network with and you may want to like grow your business with. And so I loved that. And I think something about that just like struck a chord in me. And I was like, oh, I love networking. I love
0: sales. I love networking. <laughs> like, you I know? wish more people were like you because, oh my gosh, I can, Oh, actually, you know what I'm going to do? I am going to make a poll on Spotify because you could do that. How many people actually <clears throat> like versus don't like sales and then networking, if I could do two, because those are two words that, I mean, when I speak to people in a career coaching context, Do you know how much we have to unpack those trigger words? And I'm like, what do you mean? They're like the secret to life. It's just like you said, connecting with people, building trust, and then creating a genuine win-win, everybody feels awesome situation. How could you not want to master that for the rest of your life? Yeah, no, truly. (laughs) I love this.
1: Yeah. Yeah um so I stayed I'm just gonna keep you just tell me you just cut me off whenever I jump in okay probably
0: won't so (laughs) no actually I probably will because sometimes I get excited about what you're saying and just say (laughs) things
1: Um, so I was with the Dallas Entrepreneur Center. I was with the, oh God, I can't remember I like, I don't know, like a few months. It was a few months. Um, I remember actually, yeah, it was, it was a summer. It was a whole summer because I was supposed to travel Europe. I was supposed to backpack across Europe with my roommate. We had bought in one-way tickets to Ireland. Oh my God. I completely, I feel like I like, whew, like blocked that memory out and it's all coming back to you now. Um, but she'd gotten a boyfriend and which is actually now her husband. So kudos to her for making that call. But, and I got this internship and so we canceled our, we never, we never boarded our fight and we canceled the trip.
0: So glad that worked out because I can actually vividly personally imagine how much that would have sucked if that guy sucks and they broke up and then right. you didn't get the internship. So if anything, I feel like if there is a reason to not be sad, you didn't backpack Europe. I think it worked out.
1: I think, yeah, I think it it worked out pretty well. So, um, however, I mean, some days I I guess I do wish I would have traveled Europe like pre COVID, but I'll never know. So, oh, well, but anyway, that's how I spent the summer was at the Dallas Entrepreneur Center. And then I uh, was recommended by someone, I can't remember who, but to get a headhunter, someone to help me find a job. And so that was my biggest challenge that year was like, I would just want to get like a big my first big girl job right like out of retail want to put my skills to use obviously super entry level because I've never worked like a desk job before I done like administrative stuff like here and there kind of like like pre-retail I was like a nanny so I would also do like some assisting stuff um but I found a headhunter and they found me this job with probably one of my best experiences ever but this marketing company called uh Indigo Workplace Communication and the team there is just amazing. I still think about them very, very often and miss them. (laughs) Um, But it was just, it was my first, you know, project management role. And uh, I ended up managing one of their largest clients and working just super close to the president of the company and their executive team. And my boss directly was just phenomenal in the sense of like, she always put a fire under me, but then it was also like, Hey, you don't know if you don't know, let me show you. And so I think, she was one of the first people I think who really showed me, I mean, I've been blessed in the sense of like, I've had a lot of like really, really great bosses and like mentors, but I think she was probably one of the first people that like really showed me like, okay, this is a, this is a really good mentor. And then this is a really, this is how I want to lead. Like when I eventually like lead people or train people, like this is how I want to do it like her. And so she just took so much time with me um, to show me, I mean, anything from like how to format an Excel sheet you know, to like today I'm on zoom calls and, you know, I'm like showing a girl too. that I'm like, Hey, like, I think you format it like this. Like all documents should always be like print ready at any time in case we have to print it in a hurry and give it to a client. Like, you know, like things like that, where it's like, I don't, I just remember those things, but I, I think I really, that was kind of Indigo was, um, I don't want to say the highlight of my kind of like career path the past decade years but it definitely had like a turning point in my career and I think that's when I got like really serious about like oh I really am passionate about business and I'm really passionate about marketing and all of I mean all of the other things that I love sales networking people all go into marketing business entrepreneurship like it all coincides and so yeah I just I loved working for Indigo I I debated for a while, actually, like going back and seeing like if they'd give me my job back.
0: Actually, um, if they won't give you your job back, will they at least sponsor this podcast? That would be pretty dope. Let's ask. I know that would be um, cool. So one thing that I love is that you worked with a recruiter or a headhunter, and mm-hmm. one thing I think that the that is such an underutilized easy thing to look into. 1,000%. When you, 1,000%. I think you understand all the secrets to life. So if after our recording, you could just continue giving me all the cheat codes, that'd be pretty great. Um, but in terms of working with a recruiter, not only do I see that underutilized in general, when someone is excitedly, I mean, if you present yourself as a good candidate, you do have to do the legwork and work to impress them so they could be a great advocate for you. But once you get in with them, they are amped to not only land you a job, if it's a good recruiter, a job that you're really excited about and they're more concerned with your interests, that doesn't always happen, but why not just try it? And then you don't, most times, you don't pay them. The company that you get placed with gives them a fat check. So Mm -hmm. what else do they do? They will often negotiate your salary for you. Like one of my clients, he so smart, so smart. He was working so smart. He was working with me (laughs) and then (laughs) he was pivoting out of public accounting as a second year public accountant. And he wanted to go into like strategy data and analytics and uh, got in with a recruiting agency. I love that recruiter. We like connected. We got on the phone together. <laughs> she negotiated up his salary, which is already pretty good. Thirty, yeah, thirty three percent.
1: Oh, that's insane! And he's
0: still working for a company that he loves. Loves Nick. I'm going to tag you in. No, I'm not going to tag you in this LinkedIn <laughs> post. No, sorry for privacy. Uh, but anyway, so how did you get connected with that recruiter or even have the awareness to go do that? I guess a friend mentioned, hey, you should do this. But what was the yeah. process?
1: I, well, wish I, could tr- I wish I could really remember who recommended them. But I remember when I lived in New York and I was thinking about leaving Nordstrom before I transitioned over to Free People. I had had a friend who had given me a recruiter number out here, out east. And so when I went back home, I think that's what made me kind of like do a Google search or like be like, who's out here, right, that I could use. Um, so I can't remember like who sent me whose info and how I really found it, but I do agree with you. I think it is an extremely underutilized tool. Um, and I think that's one thing too, like even like, I love that we're having this conversation about like careers and like my career path because- as I'm getting older too, I'm I'm looking at like younger generations behind me. And it's like, I'm like, you don't have to go on LinkedIn and apply to a hundred jobs, literally send one email to a recruiter, you know, and let them send 500 emails, you know, like it's like work smarter, not harder. And it's, I feel like, I don't know who told us that we had to work so hard for everything when it's like, you really don't, like you just need to educate yourself and things, you know, and so it's like, almost like focus on the education like your, are adju- I don't know, in that I don't mean like go to school, because I'm actually not like even like an advocate
0: for school. But like, oh my gosh, are we the same person?
1: I think <laughs> I'm. No, no, no that's like wishful are.
0: thinking. That's wishful <laughs> thinking. But I. Oh my gosh, no, I have to catch myself because if we go, I mean, we can go all the way down the. Don't go back to school route. Oh my oh, gosh. Yeah. The system is playing you and mm-hmm. laughing in your face and taking mm-hmm. your generational wealth away. Wow. <laughs> See? Oh my gosh. Literally. Literally. Um, yeah. When a recruiter or a career coach <laughs> can like help market the absolute heck out of your existing skills and pivot you mm-hmm. into a new industry and help you get paid more without having to go back to school. So, um where should we go from here oh my gosh wait you had more in your career story
1: oh yeah yeah I mean indigo really like I said was like the turning point um but what was crazy was you know I was going through just like something personally but I really felt like I was supposed to quit that job I I was there for like two and a half years and I did kind of feel like where am I gonna go after this like everyone at the company had been there for like almost like no lie 20 years like Everyone almost had been there for 20 years. And so, I mean, which speaks highly of the company, like they're a phenomenal team. Um, But I just thought like, who, whose job am I going to take? Like my boss isn't going anywhere, you know, like, are they going to create a new role for me? Possibly. But unless we're bringing a new business, you know, like, how are we going to sustain that kind of salary and increase and growth and whatever, internal growth. So um, I felt like I was supposed to leave. And so I left and I actually decided to move to Denver and at the time I was um just involved in uh, a local church based in Dallas called Upper Room and so I was serving there and then I decided I was going to move to Denver and I was really involved in like the media team in Dallas and the creative director at the time asked me if I would just do a little freelance um and run social media for their Denver campus and I said sure like I'm serving already like I love I'm a photographer on the side like all right. I wouldn't call myself like a photographer. I'd just say like, I kind of dabble, like I do it for fun. <laughs> I hate taking money for it. I always feel weird. Um, But anyway, he's like, would you do that? And I said, Oh, absolutely. What else? I just quit my job. What else am I going to do? <laughs> you know? And at the time it was just really, I was really on a sabbatical. I wasn't even, I hadn't decided to like move to Denver yet. I was just like on the sabbatical. I really felt like I was just supposed to take a season of rest and Honestly, I think just like spend some time with the Lord and like chill out. I was going, God, if I could run you through my life back then, I was going a hundred miles an hour, like so fast. I, if to make plans with someone you'd have to like, kind of like, let me know, like almost like a week or two weeks in advance. Like, Hey, you want to hang out soon. Right. And so it was just, it was bonkers. Um, but I moved to Denver or I take my sabbatical, right? And I'm on my little sabbatical up there. I'm living with my brother and my sister-in-law. They had a house and they were very gracious to let me live in their basement. And uh, anyway, I started getting really integrated with the Denver campus staff. And so just really became friends with a lot of, a lot of the staff and just immediately felt connected and like they were family. And um, the interim pastor at the time, she had come from a background of like social services and corporate life, and she used to do large events. And so me and her were like really similar, kind of like both coming from corporate. You know, now we're both kind of like helping with this church, not really in corporate anymore. So like kind of like the same. But she ended up taking a, a new opportunity within the organization to run their global. Um, kind of like entity. And she asked me, would I be interested in in being on that team, on her team? And I was like, I really di- didn't want to, I'm not gonna lie, <laughs> I did not want to. Um, but I didn't want to look back on my life and think what if I had, what would my life look like? And so I knew like, if I po- kind of like, I was hesitant too, to also like pause my professional career because not that working for Uproom wasn't like a professional job, but it, it wasn't on my professional career path that I had mapped out in my head, right? And so I did have, like, a really big fear that it was going to put me behind professionally, like, oh, my God, you know, even just, like, software systems and the processes and this and the thing, you know, the things I could be learning, you know. But I said, you know, let's just do it. Let's do it for year. So anyway, long story short, I accept this role. I become global event coordinator for Upper Room. So I'm running all of, like, their large-scale events. So it was events anywhere from 500 to 4,000. And, um, yeah, I was building teams and I was working with all of our internal teams. And I mean, I learned a lot. I think I learned more about myself than as, you know, more like the job, which looking back now, I feel like that was actually like perfect for me because I felt like a lot of my other jobs had taught me so much about like the actual work, right. Like how to communicate with people and like business and like you know, I know RFPs and, and I don't know, emails and campaigns and marketing strategies and whatever concepts billing, I learned all that stuff, but this was kind of like a season where I like learned about like, how do you deal with like conflict between two coworkers? You know, mm-hmm. like if I can't get along with someone, but I have to work closely with them, how do I overcome that? You know? So I learned so much about myself, um, as well as like, I still obviously obtained, you know, skills for my career, but <laughs> then COVID hit. And so events weren't really happening, obviously we all know. Yep.
0: Um,
1: and so that journey kind of ended, um, which was like super scary. Cause like my, they eliminated my position at upper room in kind of like towards that. I, I mean, we're still kind of in a pandemic, but towards the end of 2020. So they kept me on as long as they could, which was like super, super gracious of them. But, um, you know, getting let go, that was really scary in 2020 because I didn't know how I was going to get a job. Mm. But it was really best case, worst case scenario because you also had like the government giving assistance to people who weren't eligible for unemployment. So fun fact, I also learned, um, if you work for a nonprofit and you get let go, uh, you're most likely not eligible for unemployment. What? Yeah. So your employer can opt in or out of their nonprofit to pay oh. the government funds for unemployment. So oh. I wasn't covered, but because I got let go in a pandemic, I was covered.
0: Hey. Yeah. So it was <laughs> yeah, best I was worst. sorry. I was just like daydreaming because I was like, I pay unemployment tax <laughs> for my like part-time employees. Anyway. Oh my yeah. gosh. Oh, my taxes or make me cry <laughs> sorry I'm talking to someone in New York so I should really stop I'm in Texas yeah. <laughs> yeah that's true we pay oh my god
1: everything's expensive here um I, I feel like every just a side note I feel like every time I leave my house this really I had this epiphany this morning when I got like a $92 Venmo request that for last night's dinner that every time I leave the house I spend at least a hundred dollars Like, even if I just like walk the block, I feel like somehow I like spend a hundred dollars and it's just like so expensive.
0: (laughs) No, I went to New York for three days this summer. It was like my fifth time. I was like, girl, I've given you so many chances, but if you charge me $18 for a margarita one more time, I'm gone forever. Oh yeah. you do that. I grew up in Corpus Christi, Texas. You can How
1: much, how much is a margarita there? like five, Maybe five, five. Yeah. yeah. No.
0: And I, I mean, not it. the top shelf one with the sangriest <laughs> world that I get with my parents every single Friday night <laughs> that I'm home, but you know, just generally speaking.
1: <laughs> That's funny.
0: But, Wait, yeah. Gosh. Okay. So where are we? Pandemic. You're looking for a new job. Mm. You yes. were had a little employment gap. So where did you go next?
1: Yeah, well, you know, I'm going to be pretty transparent and say it was a long employee gap. Mm -hmm. I started doing um, some freelance, which this too, where I kind of took the opportunity to kind of reset and be like, okay, where do I want to go with my life, right? Like I'd taken a chance going to Upper Room, saying like pause my corporate career, which still looking back, great decision. I don't regret that at all because I also feel like I had a lot of moments where I felt like, just spiritually confirm, like, you know, I took this time off, but it doesn't mean that the Lord can't just expedite my career. Right. It doesn't mean I, I can't just have everything I missed, you know, kind of like downloaded to me in an instant, you know? And so I felt like, you know, no time was wasted. I haven't lost anything, which was like a great kind of like feeling of peace, getting let go from my job and having that realization. And then also having the realization of like, you know, I've not worked before. and been fine. You know, like I've seen the Lord really provide for me like financially in like so many different ways. Like I didn't work for four months. I kept an apartment in Dallas when I moved to Denver. I'd quit my job and somehow I still paid my rent. I didn't change anything about my lifestyle. And <laughs> then I get a job and I immediately paid off a credit card like two, I, honestly two credit cards and I went to Tokyo and Thailand for like a month so it was just like <laughs> insane I know it's insane like when I tell people like the favor on my life is so insane like I really I can't I can't talk about it enough honestly but so I knew getting let go in the pandemic like I knew like I really felt like the Lord told me like hey like I've done it before I'm gonna do it again and I was like God you're right like what am I thinking like let's go to Mexico <laughs> you, <know? laughs> you and me baby let's go yeah, but no, honestly, I did go to Mexico.
0: <laughs> I wait. When did you go? I also went.
1: <laughs> um, I went a lot. Actually, I went. I went the beginning of twenty twenty one. I went uh then in
0: May of twenty twenty one. That's when I was I, there. Oh, okay, But part? Were sure you we just like cross paths in Mexico oh. City. <laughs> oh my god okay are you you that person on my like horse riding tour in the mountains (laughs) oh yeah I think we already connected that's why you were familiar (laughs) that's why you popped up
1: on my LinkedIn yeah exactly (laughs) um that's so funny but yeah I ended up just traveling a lot because I really just these opportunities like came to me it's not like I really like went out and was like let's go to Mexico like I mean yes but like also no you know I just kept getting asked on all these trips and so I really kind of took it as another season of rest but at the same time you know, obviously, you know, talking to myself of like, okay, how do I want to pivot my career? What do I want to do? I think it's now I never move back to New York. Like I was there was always something missing without like me being back in New York, like almost like I know I want it so bad and because I don't have it, I always feel like I have nothing. I don't know if that makes sense, but mm-hmm. that's how it would is kind of like how it'd feel. Um, and so I was like, I think I definitely have to move back to New York. And so I really just started like envisioning like, okay, what do I want my life to look like? Where, what do I want my career to look like? Right. And then I think one of the most important things I've learned like throughout my entire career is that like, if I want to get somewhere, like who do I need to surround myself with to get there? Mm. So whether that be, you know, a professional mentor, um, someone who's smarter in a job that I want, Um, people who know the right people, like just in all different aspects. And so I really started um, spending, I want to say a lot of time, but just kind of watching my brother's mother-in-law owns a really, really um, successful production company in Dallas. And so I told her, I want to just, I want to learn a lot from you. You know, I would like to see how you guys operate and how you work. And just, I wanted to go more into production and kind of see that side because, you know, I had been in marketing and I was like a project manager. And so I was like watching all of the wheels turn, right? And managing them. And really like I was telling a coworker today, I was like, Do you ever feel like we do everyone's jobs? <laughs> like we actually. are a little bit of everyone. And she was like, No, actually. And I was like, No, seriously, like we no, just actually, we're doing dude. all no,
0: actually, no, seriously, dude. For real. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh i, to... I just it was, was singing like the stupidest meme on the planet on the planet i don't know why i just thought of this but oh my gosh this is gonna be a hard fail but my pastor's wife's name is deborah and i like shot out this meme to my old church community that said why <laughs> why do deborahs go as deb and not brah <laughs> <Like, laughs> such a missed opportunity come <laughs> on definitely
1: definitely that's funny I like that
0: memes are you know the cultural crutch to get us through the pandemic
1: oh my god me and my boss that's all we did every day Mm -hmm. you know we were honest we were making margaritas and we were sending
0: each other memes (laughs) answering emails yeah accurate yeah so how did you when did you decide wait no, no no were you just like Good Lord, somebody help her. Well, this is both of our last meetings for the day. <laughs> Can I just make an excuse really fast? So, uh when did you decide I'm going to start applying for jobs? And what did that look like? How did you end up landing the next position?
1: Yeah, so it took me a while, honestly, honest to God. And I did do a, actually a lot of like cold, like just applying to like on LinkedIn, which mm-hmm. I actually would. Went- suggest it being the best route versus like taking time and like really like filling out these job applications like just the easy and on LinkedIn um, because you can just pretty much like cast your whole net out there and then see what sticks right and so you save time and energy and you know mental stability so that's I started oh my god let me think I started to apply I moved back to New York in June end of June so by May beginning of May I was applying um and then which I also it's funny because I needed to get a real job and I love my job I have now I'm the company's phenomenal I love it um but I also decided I want to start my own thing so I don't even know if I've told you this like when we were like email chatting but I want to actually open (laughs) yeah I know I I also realized that I never even touched on bathroom saga like that I forget that I did oh
0: I was gonna (laughs) bring that back into the conversation (laughs) Don't
1: worry. Okay, we don't have to because it's. I wouldn't even really consider it part of like my professional career. It's just like Um, it was a fun thing that like turned actually really successful, which was like cool. But um, Lord,
0: let that be me. That's the favor I'm talking about. Me too, Father.
1: Uh, but what was I saying? Oh my god, I'm getting scatterbrained because you're right. This is our last no. meeting, and I've been in sorry Zoom calls it's all day. Me. No,
0: I'm not helping. I'm supposed to be faithfully guiding this conversation, am I? No, no I am it's... farting around right here. So, anyway, no. okay. you were saying you love your company. You're glad you got it. You were oh, like, "Oh yeah, hey, let's go." Mm-hmm. So, I
1: actually so I started to do my own thing, but so I want to create a photography studio that specializes in like special events. So if you, I don't want to give my concept too away, but I uh, imagine like a TED talk meets a pop-up meets like if, th- I don't know, it could be like a three-day event, could be a one-day event, it could be like a dinner, intimate dinner party, but mm. like kind of like a vibe yeah. of that. There was another example I gave someone the other day and I wish I could think of it now, but it's gone. Anyway, that's kind of like what I want to do. So I want to have this studio space. Where during the week, it's mainly like a photography studio. Where people can come in, rent out the space. We have production equipment. We have a psych wall. And you can come in and shoot your content, whatever that be, stills or people or whatever. Uh, <laughs> TikToks. TikToks, however you want to use the studio, right? But then As long I as the really... check
0: clears. Thank you.
1: <laughs> exactly. But what I'm really passionate about is like curating events and like moments. So whether that be for like one person where it's like, hey, my husband's turning 50, I want to throw home like an intimate, like really nice dinner with, you know, 30 of our closest friends. But I live in New York City and we only have a two bedroom and like the second bedroom's our office. So like we just know we, our space can't fit more than 10 people. Can we rent your studio? And then I say, Yeah. And then I'm like, Do you want to go through concepts? We can, you know, we have a concept package that I can help you create like a whole theme get you caters get you you know sommelier or something if you want something cool like whatever right deck out the whole place in like black balloons I don't know but like throw these events or let's say like you work in like the hair industry and it's like okay let's do like a hair weekend where like we fly out like three different people some from the west coast and from the east coast a movie like I have a friend in Dallas who's like a really great hairstylist and it's like Maybe we fly him out and we do like a panel talking about like color one day. And then we talk about cutting one day. And then we talk about like, hey, growing your personal stylist business, you know? And then, you know, the last day you can book to have one of these stylists actually like do your hair. And so like doing pop-ups like that. So that's really kind of like where I was spending all the time in Mexico and traveling. That's really kind of like what I envision my future being of like me running this studio. Because also too, it's like creating things, which I love and then it's networking which i love and it's sales which i love so yes all of these things
0: the best ideas come up in mexico yeah. even for me yeah. so it listeners of the podcast will know about the calling academy like the big course that i created idea born in mexico city <laughs> this may i came home and i was like all right lfg let's yes let's, i mean you know let's honestly go. sometimes you
1: need to you know unplug to plug in you know but uh good one but yeah so I you know started pursuing the studio and you know I do I have it as an LLC I have I'm paying taxes on it which I don't even understand how I am because I'm like it doesn't make any money but I got a letter from the government the other day that I owe money on the studio and I called (laughs) okay I don't even think Texas would do that
0: even though I'm mad about my taxes oh Texas but yeah no no it's
1: a complete New York thing um, and I've filed this paperwork to make a change of like, however, I set up my business, I owe the money. And it's like, you no, know, I filed this change paper like five times. I've walked to FedEx to print it out the paper because, you know, New York City I don't have a printer. And then I walked to the post office and mail it. And I've done it, like three, four times. So it's like a headache. But all it to say, um, I started getting into some red tape just as far as like funding um, for the studio and realizing that like I can't like, I did a whole bunch of research on like what loan I should get and all this stuff. And like, should I get a loan or should I just get like silent investors or like, should I just work really hard and like save some money for the next year and like fund it myself, all these things. Right. But, uh, mainly I couldn't get approved for a loan because I didn't have a full-time job. Mm-hmm. So that kind of plunged me back over onto the LinkedIn game where it's like, okay, I need to start applying and I need to get like a big role job and I need to like start like pretty much just like putting my head down and hustling. Um, you know, keep my eye on the prize of like, I'm not going to work at corporate nine to five for the rest of my life, but maybe for the next like year or two, maybe three years, um, just to kind of keep that income, keep my lifestyle and build the studio. Studio isn't going to be a, you know, overnight sensation by any means, although I do have that favor. <laughs> I, was right about there. To say. I love <laughs> how kidding.
0: you're just like, but it's in my pocket. <laughs>
1: um, no, I mean, yeah um off the record I got I got I found out I got accepted uh for a grant yesterday for like housing pretty much like and this is like where I say I think it's so important to educate yourself but I haven't paid rent in like almost six months and I just found out yesterday that I got approved for the grant and the government's going to pay my rent for the past like six months so it's like so I I say favor ain't fair but like I say it really jokingly you know I never want to take you know I don't know be prideful about my favor but then I say it like super seriously and like in the sense of like no the lord is just like super faithful what a blessing
0: whoa
1: yeah oh yeah. my
0: gosh it's crazy if he could cancel out my venmo payments to my <laughs> sister to live in her house oh father please <laughs> let's go <laughs> right but um but yeah I don't I don't know where I left off I'm so sorry I keep getting a little That's scatterbrained okay. so you were ready to just hustle and get that full-time job it sounds like it was really more about the long of starting the studio and maybe I don't know speak more to this but it doesn't sound like you had a whole lot of requirements for this has to be you know such a have all these specific features and be so enjoyable you were like this is going to pay for what I actually want to do but yeah I don't want to negate that no strategic about it
1: no no you're pretty you're pretty right I uh I had very few requirements for this next position. Um, and even then I kind of went out on a branch and usually if I don't want a job, I usually feel like in my spirit, like, oh, I should, this is probably what I should do, you know, cause I'm not like crazy excited about it. Not to say that I wasn't excited with this job, but actually going back a step, I, when I started applying for jobs and getting serious and I made the move to New York without a job and I moved in with one of my best friends. He was so kind to let me stay with him. I stayed with him for like two, three weeks until I found my own apartment. And I was just applying every single day. And, and if I'm being really honest, I would spiral probably every four days. And it's just like, what the F am I going to do if I don't get a job? I just spent $2,500 to ship all of my things out here. What am I going to do? Right. And so just all like the hoops, I kind of like jumped through, but I applied. I looked the other day because there's a a way on LinkedIn that you can see how many jobs you apply to. Mm -hmm. I applied to over 580 something jobs. What was crazy, I started and, you know, the power of prayer, we really underestimate it. I do every single day of my life. And I really just started praying, like, what, I can't do this. Like I've applied to so many jobs. I don't know what to do. And I was getting these free, every time I'd like pray that I'd like freak out and spiral. I would get like an opportunity literally like the next day, if not the same day, I'd get this like email sliding into my DMs, something like, Hey, like, are you available? We're going to be out in New York. I need, you know, a second shooter, someone to run social. Can you come to the studio? Can you, I'll pay you a day rate. And I'm like, Oh yeah, that's great. Okay. You know, like things like that, or like, I got the opportunity, I like emailed someone just out of the blue I'd seen come across someone's email on LinkedIn who runs production for governor's ball which is like a huge east Coast
0: music yes. festival oh okay you know oh my what? gosh I want to go
1: <clears throat> Slash not I,
0: because I said I was done with New York but I like the idea
1: okay well maybe in June come back for a ball ball <laughs> okay. um, but I just like split I just sent her an email I said I'm gonna shoot my shot and she responded she goes yeah I actually need one more person are you interested in working the festival I said absolutely And she goes okay great I'm running the corporate cabanas and I thought great we're gonna network like corporate you know cabanas (laughs) all the wealthy people and so um I just I would I would kind of get like these little like I don't know pops of like encouragement of like hey like something's coming and so I just kind of like, I don't want to say stopped caring because I was always caring, but like I was just kind of like released it to the Lord and I was like, you know, I'm going to get a job whenever you want me to get a job. Right. So what's crazy about the job that I have now is that they're the only people I never applied for I never even applied they slid into my dms on LinkedIn the HR director messaged me and said hey like I I love your background I'm really interested in in hearing more about you and like your work history and like I want to tell you about our company like I think you'd be a great fit and we're like looking to hire a new like project manager and it was I mean this happened so fast so recently I started last week with this new company so very very new last week week. (laughs) I know that's why it's like I've been on zoom and like training and like meetings and like learning about like I don't know their billing process and all this stuff and um so I started last week but this happened like December and I even thought to myself like I don't know like should I take it like should I like take the call you know because I wasn't like crazy about it and I actually I think I left this out but I started working pretty consistent freelance for another production company here in New York who I like am obsessed with I love them I love what they do um they're a lot more creative which was really fun like some of our clients were like Grubhub and like Apple and like David Bowie we did like a David Bowie pop-up in Soho that I like helped out with and so it was like cool things and so my boss she was really you know hoping to get me on like full-time her team um but it just wasn't really working. Like it wasn't like our times, timelines weren't crossing. So anyway, when this person slid into my DMs and said, Hey, will you take a call with me? I said, sure. You know, I'm, I wasn't working. I was like on the hold with our client. And so we were on like a hiatus and, um, I hadn't been working for like a week and then I wasn't really going to work until like mid January. And so I said, yeah, sure. I'm just going home. Like, you know, we can do a call. Like as soon as I am traveling, but then once I'm in Dallas for the holidays, I can take a call. Anyway, we went through the whole interview process and they are just a really, really amazing company. And, um, my only really requirements were fully remote. And then obviously like, I have a certain like financial expectation, you know, financial responsibilities I have to meet. So those are really two of my main requirements, but it's crazy because I'm in a completely different sector of work that I've never worked in before. So it's a marketing agency, but it's doing uh, more state work, which is, um, they're based out of Connecticut and so they're really working with a lot with like the state of
0: Connecticut. <laughs> the state. The
1: actual state. Oh
0: my gosh, I just like um, choked on that word. Okay, glossing over it. Proceed.
1: Um, I didn't even notice. So, yeah, I'm just learning like a ton of like higher education stuff and state of Connecticut stuff and government stuff, which is really cool because I think, you know, that can't hurt me to know it. Right. But
0: yeah that's where I am now can't (laughs) hurt to know I'm just gonna (laughs) leverage the heck out of it later too yeah (laughs) yeah, maybe I'll
1: marry someone from Connecticut and it'll all and we'll move to Connecticut one day and it'll all benefit me I have no idea
0: but it all works together in the end (laughs) yes right
1: so anyway that's kind of like where I'm at now but the studio is really like my main focus and like my main drive. I just actually um there was like a pitch competition that happened this weekend that I submitted a pitch for for another grant for funding for the studio. And so things like that, you know, it's I'm trying to work smarter, not harder and trying to just kind of soak up everyone who's around me too and like learn from them as I go. And being in New York City is just like so phenomenal because like you just never know who you're gonna meet and how they might be able to help you or Maybe how you can help them, you know, if you have that kind of bandwidth. But it's it's truly amazing the energy here too. You just wake up every day and you just feel great, and you're like, oh my god, let's go. You know, like I should have woken up like four hours ago. You know, like why would I even go to sleep? You know,
0: I guess you know it takes all sorts of people to make the world go around. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'll say to that. <laughs> uh, wait, two things that I would love you to <laughs> expand upon. One of them is what you said when. You mentioned that if I get this right, when you have hesitance or you're not really excited to do something, you're like, mm-hmm. maybe the spirit is telling me that I should do it. What? Mm-hmm. And then, two, we should talk about your book. But first, okay. let's clear so, it. Yeah, yeah.
1: It's honestly, I don't even know what I mean when I say that, but it's a pattern that I've noticed in my life that usually, if I don't want to do something, and I feel like a certain way about it. Like, oh, I'm not excited about this. Cause I, I remember feeling that way with Indigo mm-hmm. where I remember literally leaving the interview and getting in my car and driving on the highway and was like, yeah, I really don't think I want this job. Like this seems really boring and kind of like they're, I don't know, stuck in an older kind of like mentality. <clears throat> and in that moment I thought, I'm pretty sure I'm gonna get the job and probably gonna take it. Like, cause you need a big girl job. And I did end up being the best experience of my life, right? Like that mentor there, like my boss, like she just became phenomenal and like taught me so much of what I know now. And then it's like, I also didn't want to do freelance. Well, let's back up. I don't want to work for up room, right? I don't want to work for a church. I don't want to work for a nonprofit. It's kind of like, I'm very similar to you in the sense of like, it bothers me so much that people think that their faith has to limit their success.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think yeah. it's something that, um, almost like a jealous spirit has kind of overtaken, um, from people in the world and in church, or I don't know, maybe it's a reason people also justify why they hate the church. Like, well, they make money. They're obviously abusing the church. I don't want to be a Christian. I'm not going to be a part of that. Right. And it's like, that's how you want to justify it. Cool. But like, that's not truth. Right. And so it's like, I get very, so I don't want to work for upper room because it's also like, I know that like, as a nonprofit, you can't really pay me. I don't want to go say my worth, but like, you can't pay me to match my experience, right? Like I'm going to be donating probably like 40% of what should be my salary. And it's just, I'm working 40% for free. So I didn't want to do that either. But I also, like I said, like I had that moment where I was like, I don't want to look back and wonder like what my life would have looked like if I just said yes and worked for the church, you know, like, and I look back and think like, I'm so glad I did because I'm pretty sure I could tell you what my life would look like if I had not <laughs> you know? Really? Like, well, yeah, I think it would be what it is now. I think I'd probably maybe just be a little further in my career, mm-hmm. but like at what cost, right? Would I still be a Christian? Mm-hmm. Would I still have like the faith I had? You know, like, there's so many other yeah. things I probably would have lost. I wouldn't have met a lot of the people that I met living in Denver. Like, my boss was a huge influence on my life, still is a really close friend of mine. And just, like, all these people that I met and all these experiences, I traveled so much working with Upper Room. I went to Phoenix. I did cool events. Like, I had to put an event on in Phoenix without knowing anyone in Phoenix. <laughs> and then we had to get, like, we had to sell. I think we, like, capped it at, like, 350 But, like, I... I remember like, I was like scouring Craigslist for like warehouses. And I was like, how do you even find like a music venue without like paying for a music venue? Because obviously we're a nonprofit we we have no money, you know, like, and I'm controlling the budget. So like, I don't want to pay like $8,000 for a venue, you know? Oh so anyway, I did cool things, but then I also like, it happened again too. Like, I don't want to do freelance and pro- I don't know, maybe it was like the second, third month of me not working. And I started getting all these freelance opportunities. I remember, like, I don't want to sell myself. I don't want to sell myself. And then you decide if you want to work with me. Like, I don't know. And I remember someone was like, that's freelance. And I was like, oh, I hate it. I don't think I like it. I was like, I don't think I want to do that. Like, I don't, I don't know. But, but then I ended up doing it. I ended, honestly, almost for two years, like taking all these freelance gigs and, you know, I, got to learn a lot about that in general and just like freelance of like how to sell yourself how to like network how to just find someone's email address and email them and see if an opportunity will come about um but yeah and then with this company i can already tell i'm gonna learn so much i can already tell like a lot of their executives are like super super smart super super Wise, they've been in the business for a long time. I think it's interesting. I had no desire. Everyone kept saying, like, the work that they do here is just so much more meaningful because a lot of them come from like big magazines or like media, like more like media and kind of like um, corporate marketing versus like this is we call it like state sector. So, like, state marketing. So, it's more like, like I said, government stuff. And so they're like, it's just way more meaningful. And I thought I've already done all of the meaningful work. I was ready for the cool work. <laughs> like yes. I want to do the cool stuff. But they're like, it's so much more meaningful. And I was like, oh, I was like, yeah, okay, that's that's super exciting. Like and now that I'm in it, I'm like, okay, it's not that exciting, but at the same time, I'm learning so much and it feels really good to learn things. And I think it's gonna make me smarter, you know? Just like, and more like well-rounded where it's like, if I want to learn more about the like, flashy media, like I can just get on TikTok. Like, yeah. but no one's going to teach me about like, did you know that if you're, if you graduated the state of Connecticut and you've never been to college, you can go to college for two years for free. Wait, what? Yeah. So, so it's like things like know that. No, all these like,
0: little things. The blog yeah. is full of all of these small advantages that are ready to be just taken advantage of. Which is so neat. You know what I learned from what you were saying. It reminds me of, um, I was in a conversation with somebody who's pretty advanced in their career, and I got to learn from them more. And I asked him, okay, in your experience, and he's in the latter stage of his career, how have you, or actually, I was asking him, how do you advise younger people like me that reach out to you, like? On how to hear from God or uh, discern what they really feel called to do. And he said, Well, I don't just look for a standard answer because I was, that's kind of what I was asking him for mm-hmm. and had been my mentality in the past. He said, I ask people, How has God spoken to you or intervened in your life in the past? And so just notice, Well, ha- what have I noticed? Uh, How have I noticed God intervening in my life or speaking to me in the past? And it's likely different than others. Like that's ever since he told me that a a few months ago, especially with all the podcast interviews I've done as I'm getting the privilege of hearing your career story and others, God's hand is so clearly on everyone's career, especially those who listen and obey. Mm -hmm. But what that looks like is hardly ever a template <laughs> he definitely will speak to one person through flinging doors wide open he'll speak to another person by giving them such a conviction and such a passion despite an absolute ton of doors sh- shutting in their face but they know in their heart of hearts i'm supposed to throw all my weight into it and keep on going and others know oh no no no. i, I need to back off i need to do something else for other people, he almost exclusively speaks through others coming into their life and through synchronicities. Um, Others, it's just like contemplative prayer and reading the word. The word should always be a part of it. But yeah, those are just some examples of how amazing it is that there's so much to learn when, about where you're headed, when you ask what, how has God spoken to me in the past? Yeah. Yeah. Should we talk about your book? Oh yes, yeah we yeah we definitely can. <laughs> I think we should. Um, uh, so, how yeah. did you decide you wanted to create the bathroom saga? And wait, that's the title, correct? Yeah, just yeah. bathroom saga. Yeah, bathroom saga. And how did you figure out self-publishing and getting it in Barnes and Noble, Target, Walmart, online? The word, yeah,
1: yeah. Um, well, you know, it's so funny and. I don't mean to downplay it ever, but it's just so silly how it happened where I, and I I talk about it a little bit in the book, like in the intro and I like kind of like give like a brief, like kind of like overview of like, who's the author and how did Bathroom Saga Um, But it really just started with, I was at a wedding and I went down to the bathroom at the hotel lobby and two of my best friends walked in and we took like a, bathroom selfie in the mirror and I posted it on Instagram and then the next week I was at this cool hotel in Dallas the Belmont and I went to the bathroom and it's like all graffitied and this is obviously this is like let me remind you this is 2016 so like maybe 17 or late 16 it's November of 16 I'm pretty sure and like so bathrooms aren't really a thing no one's like doing like cool bathrooms it's just like before I don't know I, don't, I would say bathrooms are having a moment now But, like, back then they weren't. And so I take it, like, this bathroom is so cool. And so I take a selfie again, post it on Instagram. And the next week I'm in Denver. My sister-in-law is, like, oh, my God, we have to go to this coffee shop. You're going to love their bathroom. She goes, I know that you've been posting kind of, like, these bathroom things. And it's so crazy. Like, even looking back to, like, weeks before that and weeks before the wedding, I remember I was on a walk. This is, I'm giving you the long version. I'm so sorry. So, like, just cut me off. Don't say sorry. Uh, But... It's so crazy to watch it like truly unfold, like in my head that like, I mean, probably a month, even before that wedding, I was on a walk with a friend at the lake and I was telling her, I really want to do something creative, but that's when like lifestyle blogging had just gotten big. So like everyone was kind of like starting their blogs and like, oh my God, I'm going to be a blogger and I'm going to do like clothes and like my daily blogs and like all this stuff. And it wasn't even vlogging. So it wasn't even video. It was just like blogging, like photos and like paragraphs. Right. And, and nothing on Instagram. So this is also too, before like Instagram took kind of like, just came what it is now. Right. And so I was telling her, I want to do something. I was like, but I don't want to do like a lifestyle blog. I don't want to do anything, but I know I want to do something creative and I don't know what I want to do. So like, it's almost kind of like I threw it out into the universe you know or like god like picked it up and was like oh okay we're gonna add is that, that to our algorithm you know like, put that in there and because then as you know the weeks kind of went on i'm not even thinking about this right and the bathroom talk is just kind of like unfolding like subconsciously right so anyway i come to denver i see my sister-in-law and she's like we got to go to this bathroom this coffee shop i think it's, it's not even open anymore which i wish it was i think it was black eye coffee um there's one in cap hill if you're ever in Denver or if anyone on this podcast is ever in Denver. Um, but I think they closed down, but I think they have like another location somewhere. But anyway, I went there, I took a photo, posted it. And then my sister was like, she was really obsessed with, I can't remember what the company is now, but they do like these quick prints. And she started doing like these quick prints of like, I think some of either, it was either photos of like her, and my brother or like her writings, something like that. And so she'd get like, pretty much like submit all of like your photos or your writings. And then they'll mail you like, just like a little we call them like pagers. So like, but it's a little tiny book. And she's like, you should do that with like some of your bathroom photos. And I was like, interesting. Now, mind you, at the time I was working for Indigo. And so a lot of my work that I do with clients was we had, we had printed deliverables. And so I worked with a local vendor in Dallas to actually get materials printed. And so I learned all about the most random knowledge about paper and bindings and what it costs and what wholesale is and all this stuff. But then mind you, I had also previously worked at free people Nordstrom and a lot of my friends had stayed within those, those companies and became buyers. So like my old boss from Nordstrom, she was a buyer for, she still is a buyer for Nordstrom now. And then my friends at urban or they went to urban to be buyers at urban who I'd worked with at free people. And then I'm working out Indigo. I know like these printers, you can like help me get something produced. So I'm just like, all my wheels are turning. And then like my friend also here in New York, she had had just, she worked for CFDA, which do you know what that
0: is? (laughs) No.
1: Okay. It's like a huge fashion organization. So like a whole bunch of like high-end fashion people are part of this kind of like, and I'm probably, honestly, I'm probably butchering this description, but this is how I understand it, where it's like a network of like all these like high-end fashion people. And you pretty much like pay to be a part of this membership and you get to network with each other and pretty much just like. I don't know. They're just really high in fashion. So anyways, she had worked for CFDA, which was like incredible for her. And she had connected me with, um, Fred Siegel. And so that, which they're like, I don't want, I don't know if they're like a fashion house or fashion concept. I don't know. Fashion based out of LA. And so, um, yeah, so I'm starting to think about all these things. Right. And I'm like, you know what, like maybe I won't actually do like this this one company that my sister was suggesting which I did do like a proof through them but then I started pursuing just one of our printers and saying hey like would you like take something for me like personally like and get it quoted for me and all this stuff and he's like yeah 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 so I just started spending a lot of time with this guy like I would go up to the print shop and he would like show me proofs and I just was like okay well what about this paper or I'd find things that be like hey can you do this like I really like this the way it feels so anyway I started working with him ultimately in the long run um I I did bite the bullet he couldn't produce what I wanted at like my book is like really thick and it's like I wanted thick paper because it's photos I don't want it to be thin and so anyway I end up going with another company but I get it produced and then I just start emailing people
0: <laughs> and
1: yes. yeah Fred Siegel was my first like big W um I just moved to Denver and this was crazy too because I felt like the Lord really blessed me honoring him when I felt like he told me to like to move to Denver and like give up my marketing company. I felt like he really, not like I had to do something and then I get blessed for it, but I really felt like he was like, Hey, you're honoring me and I'm going to honor you back. And so like, it's like the first week I got to Denver and like, I got a letter from Fred Siegel saying, yeah, we'd like to accept Bathroom outland into our stores. Like we'll be writing up a contract and sitting it over. And so I was just like, ah, like one, I needed that W at the time, So I just left all my friends and family and Dallas and came to Denver to just kind of like, I don't know, shoot the shit with my nieces. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I didn't know what I was going to do and like take photos for up in Denver. So I was kind of spiraling a little bit, but, uh, but yeah, that's how it got into Fred Siegel. and then Barnes and Noble's is just kind of like a crazy story. I um, this is also knowledge, so
0: knowledge <laughs> like being <is> smart,
1: <laughs> yeah, being smart about this. Um, it, if you ever want to get a book into Barnes and Noble's, this is how you do it: you fill out an application online, and then you mail in your book. However, if you don't want to mail in your book, you just come to New York City, you find out where their headquarters are, and you walk into. headquarters and you just tell them you have an appointment even if you don't and (laughs) that's exactly what I did and I went upstairs and I asked to speak to a buyer and none of the buyers were available so one of the assistants came out and god bless her I emailed her like two weeks ago um she came out and talked to me and I don't know if she just liked me or felt bad for me or loved bathroom saga I don't know but she passed it on to the buyers and I think she put in a good word for me and she got me into Barnes and Noble's and so mm-hmm. I just stayed in touch with her yeah I really cherish that relationship that we've created um professionally just because I mean that's a huge win for me and Barnes and Normals I could never imagine you know that I would achieve that and it, especially on my own especially like a self published book yeah, like I didn't even use like a publishing company yeah so it's very I mean and that had its challenges in itself in the sense of like Bathroom Saga I wouldn't say has been like the most profitable just because because you don't have anyone out there marketing for you however if you research publishing companies not all of them will actually do the marketing like part for you so you still have to self-market they'll only publish you and then it's like well what's the point like why would I pay you know and for a coffee table book it was like it's just photos and I can send it to all of my friends just to make sure that like I didn't like because I sourced all the photos of like where the photo was taken and what year the photo was taken in and, um, I just had all my friends like proof that, you know, I like sent it, blasted it and was like, send it back, <laughs> you know, like, um, truly. And so, yeah, so anyway, Barnes and Nobles, yeah, that's what I did was I walked up there and that's how I got it. And then another thing I learned with that was, so Barnes and Nobles won't work directly with authors. You can't be your own vendor essentially as well. So you have to go through a distribute, uh, distribution, distributed, d- distribution, um (laughs) company and so my girl had sent from barnes and nobles had sent me over a list of like hey these are all of our distribution companies that we work for um some are smaller some are larger just contact all of them show them that your agreement that barnes and nobles wants to do a buy with you and someone should take you well i called all of them you have to submit all this paperwork and it takes forever and i did it and no one would take me and so i called my girl up and it was so embarrassing because i was like hey like no one will take me because it's like, who am I? Right. I'm no one. And it's just like one book. They don't know me from Adam. I'm not, I don't have any kind of publishing house behind me, you know, kind of representing me. I'm just like this independent author. So that was a challenge. And so she actually did me another solid and she like just made a phone call. And next thing I know, this guy reaches out to me on Facebook messenger. Oh my! I know now this is like 2018 too. So this is like what, four years ago. And um he reaches out and says, Hey, Emily, like I'm blah, blah, blah. I work at blah, blah 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 company. And um we'll email me on Monday and we'll we'll take you on. I'll help you out. And I was like, Oh my god. I was like, thank you so much. <laughs> um so yeah, that was that was Barnes and Nobles. And then honestly, this is so crazy, but I didn't do anything for Walmart, Target or Amazon. I have no idea how, well, I guess I have some kind of idea. I've really no idea how they got my information, but I would assume that it's through this distributor. When I create an account with them, he says, hey, we're not going to do anything with your books. We're just going to pretty much put them in our warehouse. However, there's pretty much like, I don't want to call it like the black market, but it's like the inner markets for book buying. So like large companies go to this special website, I've never even seen it, where they pick like Target online, they go into this website and they look at all these books and say, okay, what do we think our readers are going to want to buy? You know, like our, our audience or shoppers, whatever consumers want to buy on our website. And so they go in and so Target, Amazon and Walmart all went in and said, bathroom song. <laughs> so it was crazy. It was crazy. I remember I'll, I'll never forget. I remember exactly where I was when I went, when I got all of this, all of these different, you know, news, um but with amazon walmart and target i'm rose in the car in phoenix and i just finished a really big event and i was with my brother and my sister-in-law and the kids their kids and we were driving to dinner and i started freaking out and i think someone maybe had sent it to me or something i don't even know or maybe i googled it and it like i googled something about bathroom saga and it just came up i can't remember but i remember i went nuts and my
0: sister-in-law was like, what? And I was like,
1: I have no idea. I was like, How truly, I have no idea. I was like, the favor.
0: <laughs> the oh, my God. The favor gosh.
1: of my life.
0: The favor is the third character in this interview, I think. Oh, She's just yeah. There.
1: She's present all the time. <laughs> Seriously, it's insane. Oh, my but, gosh. Um, but, yeah, I think, I mean, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. i but I think that's pretty much it with Bathroom Saga. It's just, it was fun. It's still fun. I still have books. You can still buy Bathroom Saga on Amazon or BathroomSaga.com, but please just buy it through Amazon. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm assuming and, the biggest
0: cut oh, to the author. Yeah, Let's do Amazon, yeah. folks. Yes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's way easier. Um, but yeah, its it's been fun. And I love when people ask me about it because like I said, it's so just weird and random and funny how it happened and I'm so glad I did it I learned so much um a lot of people ask me to like they'll ask me like oh I want to get your insight on how to make a book and you know if I had to tell anyone I'd be like it's a lot of money truly and it's just a lot of time doing a lot of research <laughs> and you're just google searches after google searches of like can't I post photos of businesses will I be sued You know, like, can I publish something like that? You know, things like that, like legal stuff, like,
0: you know, but. Yeah, no, actually, how deeply do I know? I (laughs) built my business on Google University. (laughs) People are like, how did you become a career coach? I'm like, I could give you advice, but you will end up Googling the same stuff. Mm -hmm. And especially when I started hiring people, I was like, am I going to spend $5,000 talking to a lawyer for a coffee chat to figure out what kind of employment contract do I need? Nope. I was Googling, all right, (laughs) part-time. What's a contractor versus an employee versus part-time employee? Am I going to get in trouble? (laughs) Anyway, it's really just Google. Uh, And that's actually such an immense encouragement that you know, when you listen to all these podcasts, like this one, where you're like, wow, oh, I admire this so much. I would love to emulate certain pieces of what you've embodied in your career. And you think, oh, how can I do it? And then the podcast ends with, listen, everybody, if I could do it, you could too. Okay. That's true. True. It's true, except when gold medalists in the Olympics say that, I'm like, please shut up. They're like, see, look at what happens when you just work hard. The thousands of people that they left in their wake are like, I want to hurt you. (laughs) That's (laughs) that's not how this works, please. But for we little entrepreneurs such as ourselves, you could totally do it.
1: Yeah. And you know, what's crazy is someone told me this recently when I, one of my, I consider her a professional mentor, but my brother's mother-in-law, I had consulted her about the studio concept that I had. And I feel like she gave me one of the best advices she could give me because she could have gotten into the weeds with me and like, really told me like, well, I think you should do this route versus that route. I think you should do this loan versus that loan. Like she could have really did it, like gone there. But she really just looked at me and she goes, I believe you can do it she goes, I think you have what it takes. She goes, but you have to want it more than anyone else. And I think that's what kind of separates the people from, I don't know, achieving success and wanting success where it's like, she's like, if everyone tells you, you can't do it, you still have to want it. So yeah. like, you just make sure how bad do you want this? And then you commit to it and you don't ever change your mind pretty much is what she are saying. Right. And this woman's I, a genius. Oh my God. She is a phenomenal entrepreneur. She started her own business. Super, super successful. She's like on so many boards, heavily involved in the Hispanic community. Um, she was in, she was just awarded a big award last year. Um, Yeah. She's just, she's phenomenal. I learned every time I'm around her, I just am like, teach me something, teach me something Cor- like correct me. Did I do something wrong? Like how could I have done it better? <laughs> you know, like, things like that. But I think that really is like, I, I never really want to say like, if I can do it, you can do it. But it's like, how bad do you want it? Because I want it really bad, you know? like yeah. And I don't, unless you want it really bad, I don't think you're going to get it,
0: you know? And just don't do what you don't really, really want to do. Yeah. I know some people crimps, are like, oh, so entitled, but I'm like, no. Do you know how much of a service it is to the world when you find the thing that you will get punched in the face countless times and still not be deterred? When you do that, Mm -hmm. you are serving with such an inspirational, oh gosh, I'm getting like a little woo-woo over here. No, I I love it. Keep going. I love it. Inspiring. And it's such a gift to that brightens people's day just to know you exist. Mm -hmm. Like when I hear your story, I'm like, just knowing about even a quarter of the things that you've done. I'm like, (laughs) look, it just creates this field of possibility. Like, look at what can happen when you say, I'm really into this. Let's go. Why not? Let's just try. I'm going to keep. Yeah. On researching. And so if I, I think the sub point here is oftentimes I'm many of us, me included are lusting after dreams that belong to other people just because we're not quite sure what our thing is yet. So if you don't really want whatever X, Y, Z goal is enough that you could confidently say, yeah, no problem. I'm in it. Rain or, wait, rain or shine? Am I making that up? I had a brain fart. I don't yeah, remember no, what no, that no, is. Okay. You
1: made me second guess it too. It's like,
0: it's <laughs> We're like, what is reality? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> We're both going to just zonk out and do nothing for the rest of the day after this. Literally, <laughs> literally. Her brains are fried. But um, if you can't say confidently that, yeah, this is the thing for me. That's okay. Right. There is something for you. There is.
1: I think people like freak out though, because they don't know. And it's like, who put on this pressure that you have to know right now, you know, go to Mexico, take the job you you don't
0: want (laughs) take the job you don't want. Exactly. It's not like this crazy race. Like your year can come just keep on seeking it with intention. Um, I really always cringe a little bit when someone's like, it's okay. It's all going to work out, but there's no action or intentionality or prayer or seeking or any kind of ask, seek, knock energy in their life. Like mm-hmm. why? but why would, why do you think that God's it's just going to just like, work it? Yeah. I'm going to parent your entire life. Of course he is our father in heaven, but he's looking for uh, faithful people who are partnering with him. And so yeah. Oh my gosh. Can you spiritually clean up what I just said? Cause I feel like I threw out a lot of things that were <laughs> need some caveats actually. No, but I it's get true. some questions I after mean, this Fuck.
1: And that I think that's one thing that honestly like low-key bothers me with Christians is like they have this mentality of like it's okay, God's gonna work it out. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. So you're telling me like, I'm just going to lose the 10 pounds I want to lose. Cause God's going to work it out. Like, I don't have to go yeah. to the gym. Like almost like you have to, like you reap what you sow, you know, like, exactly. I just I I hate that mentality of like, oh, it's fine. I'll figure it out. You know? And it's like, well, you should make like some action steps and like really actually try to figure it out. Or like, you should really try to work it out with God, you know, it's, don't try to do everything yourself, you know, leave room for the Lord, but don't put it all on the Lord, you know? Yeah.
0: Exactly. Example, yeah. you're you definitely demonstrated the spirit of when you were waiting for the job offer that became what you're doing now, and you were sending out that 580 application batch on LinkedIn. You had that point of surrender that you described when you said, "God is working it out," like he something's coming, yeah. but that was said with the knowing that you were making yourself visible connected talking to people sending out applications it's surrendered action not always just sometimes god does call us into surrendered surrender right but <laughs> make sure you're listening carefully for what the <laughs> calling is there because certainly there might be many more seasons that are surrendered pair surrender pair with with action how about we cut this off all right so do you have any <laughs> uh closing statements mm-hmm. like anything from what you shared today that you'd like to underscore or reiterate or just encourage the audience in as we sign off
1: oh god um i i feel like i said so much and i probably talked in circles so many different so many different circles um i don't know i think if i could tell you know people listening out there anything i would say like find your like find what you really really want and just go after it as hard as you can and surround yourself with the right people people who are doing it better than you people who are smarter than you and then also like find the smartest ways to get there you know like just don't think you have to do it one way um but at the same time i would i would say surrender really truly to the lord in the sense i mean like you, you brought up surrender and it like ptsd'd me back to like upper room of like this moment i had where i was like surrender everything and i was like okay
0: oh my gosh you know what every time that i hear that song oceans you know it by mm-hmm. uh, okay so every like, time it's like lead me out into the waters where my feet wait what where my feet can uh, like no <laughs> I'm, i don't know yeah. you're like no you're, on the you're on the ledge you're on the ledge And I was singing that in college and I had this like intense worship experience and it was so beautiful. And I knew in my spirit, wow, something's going to happen. You know what happened to me at the the very next morning at 1103 AM after my geography class, I got in a near life ending bike accident, broke my my jaw, brain was bleeding, was told I needed to drop out of school. And I was like, father. that was not what I had in mind. Oh my God. (laughs) So crazy. It was so crazy, but you know what happened as a result? I, that happened three weeks before finals and my concussion was so bad that the, um, the neurologist was like, if you care about your grades at all, or like professional accomplishments, uh, like, um, drop all your classes or ask for an extension because of a medical reason, but you might need to take off of school for a year. And I said, no, (laughs) and I still continued. I took, uh, I did get a month to a month and a half extension on some of my finals for a little bit more healing, but I got the highest grade that I was the highest scorer on two of my finals, including a business, a law class that is literally in an article titled the 10 hardest classes in A&M's history. The average was a 40%. I got a 98 and I walked in, I had to get my grade. It wasn't delivered online. I walked into the professor's office and he's like such a hard stern man. And I am saying this like out of absolute reverence for the Lord, because I could still absolutely contest that I was still under the effects of a concussion and had severe memory loss, short-term and long-term. And that that didn't make sense at all. And so the fact that I get to still tell this testimony of God loves to show off for people that are like, it's okay. It's okay, father. I'm still in the game. Mm -hmm. It's okay. The show yourself and it's so that true. professor would tell that story and he oh my gosh it was so crazy He was still a little bit of a, a butthole to me later but he's, he had a moment where he was like wow I'm really proud of you I was like I am so dazed I can't believe <laughs> that happened all right I'm gonna go sleep now with my <laughs> propped up pillows because my brain is still swollen oh <laughs> anyway, my gosh yeah so wow uh yeah speaking of PTSD of moments where you're like I surrender (laughs) and then God's like all right (laughs) you know
1: and it's it's so funny where it's like it's always better than what you can imagine it just never looks like what you think it's gonna look like you know Mm -hmm. so it's like you got a higher grade but you wouldn't have imagined you know you would have gone through all that and that's how you got the higher like the highest grade
0: you know like
1: I always find and then, it. And then
0: it's like, who cares about the grade? Everything is about just a relationship with God and showing oh,
1: totally.
0: Him showing you that He is the most awe worthy being that you will ever think about, come into contact with, anything. Like, it's all about a relationship with God. Ah, yeah it's true. There we go. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so true. So true.
0: Well, Emily, thank you for this end of day inspiring conversation and all that you shared. I know I am so amped up by what you shared and know for a fact that just based on the people that I've gotten to meet here, I know, listen to the podcast. So many of the things that you shared spoken to probably exactly what they needed right now with just having boldness and just <laughs> like it says in Ecclesiastes chapter 11, the verses one through six are so helpful. Of was just like, go out, invest in seven, no eight ships, see what happens. And literally look at what could happen in the years that you've had in your career so far. So thank you for your example and for sharing your story with us. Oh, well, thanks for having me. It's been so fun. All right. That's it for this week's episode. If you would like to work with me to get your career strategy and vision in place, you could apply for one of my one-on-one coaching spots for high-performing Christian professionals who are interested in making a meaningful career move in the next three to six months, whether that's landing a job at a company you admire or pivoting into a new career path altogether you can head to my website and apply for a free 60-minute career strategy session with me at kelseykemp.com slash services. The program is selective and the spots are limited to five new clients each month. That's kelseykemp.com slash services. You could also follow along with my free career tips and behind the scenes stuff when you follow along with me on Instagram at kelsey underscore the called career or on LinkedIn just by searching Kelsey Kemp. If this episode impacted you, don't forget to tag me. All right, I will see you next week on Answer the Call.